0: Hello and welcome to the Marketing Meter podcast. Today you're going to be hearing from Patrick Fagan. He is, as you will hear as he introduces himself, ex-Cambridge Analytica, which is a very, very brave way to introduce yourself, but also um, an incredible uh, psychologist and bringing, bringing together psychology and marketing and data in a really meaningful and very, very interesting way. This talk uh, blew a lot of people's minds. It's something that's really quite special, uh, really very interesting indeed Um, and I know you'll enjoy it. I'm not actually going to go into too much depth because I think I just won't do justice to it. I sat there and was blown away um, but I need to go back and listen to this again and again and again so I can actually get my head around it because it's just one of those things that make an awful lot of sense when they're described to you, but then when you try and describe them back, it, it doesn't do justice to uh, the, the level of thought and consideration that's gone into it. So with all that said, I'm gonna hand you over to Patrick just after i thank Barry, the wonderful Barry from Bravo Creative, Bravo Marketing. Um, so Barry specializes in driving results from creative marketing not just creating pretty blog posts or pretty photos that sit somewhere and don't do anything. He's a really great chap to boot, and it's always nicer just to work with someone that you enjoy working with. So, you know, if you've got any sort of creative marketing needs, then Barry's your guy. The other thing to say is that there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with the marketing meetup now, Uh, be it the website, be it this podcast, be it the newsletter or our events if you can get engaged with any of them you know we're just trying to create something that can truly positively impact your life because if you're better in your job then you're happy at home if you're happy at home you're a happy human being if you're a happy human being then we've achieved our mission in life so that's pretty much as simple as it gets so if we can do that through the marketing meetup, then we would love to do that so please engage with us however you can and just let us know how we can make this better for you too. We're all just making it up as we go along, we're all just trying our best um, and we, you know, we, we think we can do something special for you. So, with all that said, I hand you over to Pat, uh, really enjoy this talk, I think you will. Take care.
1: Hi, thank you. So my name is Patrick, but I ask people to call me Pat because research says that you will like me more if you do. <laughs> so hopefully that's working. Um, People who use a nickname, or shorter name, they're seen as more popular and more cheerful than those who use a longer name or given name, like Patrick. Um, I think I could use a little help there. Um, But people who use their given name uh, are seen as more successful and also more moral. So maybe I should go with Patrick. Uh, I used to be lead psychologist at Cambridge Analytica. You can boo if you want. I'm used to it, it's fine. I'm just going to quickly move on uh except to say the approach here of segmenting audiences based on psychographics a kind of personality motivations and needs and things um and then advertising to them in the, in that way uh, customized to their per- personality um does work so this is a peer-reviewed study um, and they found that if you give extroverted ads so for example showing someone dancing saying dance like no one's watching but they totally are to extroverts uh, you have a significantly higher conversion rate and vice versa for introverts um, so you can take this understanding and use someone's digital footprint to kind of analyze their personality and understand their specific traits um, usually in terms of homogeneous groups and talk to them in the way to which they're most accustomed um, so uh, it, this could be messaging could be emails could be advertising it could be UX even um, I may be a little biased, but I'm going to say it's not really that creepy, because what we're doing is just doing what humans do, um, but making it scalable for businesses. So if you meet someone, uh, you'll make judgments about their personality and, you'll, uh, and their background and so on, and you'll adjust how you talk to them uh, accordingly. Um, and so now with uh, data science and behavioral science blended together, uh, you can do that at scale, which is what I'll talk about. Um, Just to intro you to the kind of stuff I do, behavioral science and the kind of cues and behaviors that we're not really aware of, there was a study here where participants were welcomed, asked to sit in a waiting room before the experiment begins. And the researcher came in and shook their hand. And what they didn't know was that this actually was the experiment, and they were being filmed secretly. And what they found was that after shaking someone's hand, they would subtly uh, touch their face uh, around the nose, because they were sniffing their hands. Because when you shake someone's hand, there's a transference uh, of kind of pheromones and hormones and so on through the sweat, uh, which tells you a lot of information about someone. Um, and every, by the way, every study I mentioned is cited. Uh, so when the, the slides are shared, you can look the study up for yourself, but there is, they do have quantitative data for this. Um, people weren't aware that they were doing this. Um, So it's a nice example of how you can subconsciously be influenced and have behaviors you're not aware of. Uh, So now, every time you shake someone's hand, you'll (laughs) notice if they sniff or not, so you're welcome. (laughs) Uh, And these behaviors and these processes, of which we are not really aware, come down to a theory or a model in psychology, which is... To be fair, a little bit outdated, a little bit simplified, but it's generally true, and neuroimaging research supports it. Um, If you think about how different layers of rock uh, form over time, so if you cut into the Earth's crust, you see different layers of rock, Uh, the brain is the same in that uh, different regions evolved over time across the course of our evolutionary history. And with those regions, we develop different functions. So you have the kind of oldest region, the reptilian brain, so-called, responsible for your heart rate and breathing and reflexes and things like that. That's the cerebellum and the brainstem. And then here you have the mammalian brain, responsible for things like emotion. And finally evolved the cerebral cortex, responsible for uh, thinking ahead, planning, uh, language, abstract thought, that kind of thing, Um, which evolved around the outside. So normally these two are kind of lumped together into the older brain, uh, the emotional, irrational, non-conscious brain called system one. And then this is uh, the rational, logical, conscious brain or system two. So most people obviously are aware of conscious versus non-conscious, but uh, a lot of people don't know just what the split between the two is. Um, so let's see, uh, hands up, who would say that uh, 100% of what the brain does in a second is conscious? Who would say less than 100% is conscious then? And just keep your hands up if you think it's less than 70% is conscious? Less than 50%? Less than 30? Less than 10? Less than
0: 1%?
1: Okay. Well, some neuroscientists will ask the same thing, just to draw it on a piece of paper.
0: How much is conscious, and how much is not conscious? You're not serious. You yeah. are? Well, that's a very tricky thing to do. That is very interesting.
1: I guess, if I had to guess, <laughs> I would say that if this is everything the brain can do, about this much is conscious. I would say maybe have something like that out of the whole bit of paper. I would say about this much
0: is conscious. Hmm. So if this whole sheet of paper is...
1: Well, I will probably draw something small in the middle, like that, (laughs) just to represent the conscious bit. (laughs)
0: That's my guess. I have no idea. Scientists agree that the role played by your conscious mind is much smaller than previously thought, which raises a puzzling question. Are you in control of your unconscious, or is it in control of you?
1: So you can't really put a number on something like that, but people have tried. Uh, One researcher looked at all the research, and he found that every second there are 11 million sensory neurons firing in your brain, um, but only 40 of these go through conscious pathways, which means that 0.0004% of sensory processing is conscious. So if you think right now, uh, you're consciously paying attention to me, hopefully, um, but you're not paying attention to that humming noise. But now you are, because I pointed it out. (laughs) So you can only pay attention to a tiny slice of the world. Um, So just remember, a nice analogy is uh, Spock is like the rational, logical, conscious brain. Kirk is the emotional, intuitive one. Um, Just remember who's flying the ship. It's it's Kirk who's in charge. Um, So emotion tends to dominate over reason. And I'll give you an example. Hopefully it wasn't just me. Did any of you hear that? when you're younger, if you sneeze and keep your eyes open, your your, your eyeballs would pop out of your head? Yes. Yeah? yeah? Did anyone try and do it? Yeah. C- could you do it? Yeah. No. So you can't consciously stop that from happening, you can't concentrate and stop your heart from beating, uh, I could show you an optical illusion and you could know it's an illusion but you couldn't unsee it. So your emotional brain tends to uh, take precedence over your rational brain. And it's an important point to make that, make that this is still the case Today, mm, even though we have this amazing technology, so we have the internet where we can access all of the information ever known to man, uh, for now at least. Um, And what do we use it for? Pornography, cat videos, and arguing with strangers. So even though the (laughs) technology is very advanced, we're still, our drivers are very emotional. Um, So in evolutionary psychology, they say our modern skulls house a Stone Age brain. Uh, So the internet and this technology and the data science is there, but the uses and the drivers of it are still very emotional and irrational. Um, And so one of these uh, kind of biases is personalization. So we respond better to things that are personalized. I showed you the example of the Facebook ad. Before that, there was a bit more kind of rudimentary lab research where they found, again, uh, an extroverted person will respond better to an extroverted ad, so if you say, buy this phone to always be where the excitement is, uh, extroverts will like that more. Whereas for agreeable people, uh, you should say, use the X phone to let people know you care. Mm, and there are three reasons why personalization works. Uh, the first is that we pay attention to personalised things. So remember that we can only pay attention to a tiny slice of the world around us, 0.0004% by one person's estimate. Um, The good news is there are certain things that will immediately catch our attention. Um, So I'll give you an example. I'm going to show you eight images on screen very quickly, less than a second, um, and just see if anything stands out. Right, I'm going to show you three images. Two were on there, and now I've thrown one in the mix just to psych you out. Um, Did anyone see a boat? Okay, a couple of people. Anyone see a spider? Yeah, most people. And did anyone see a house? Right, good, because there was no house, but um, (laughs) there was a spider though, and most people saw that because uh, we're evolutionarily hardwired to instantly pay attention to certain things. Um, So there's a region of, there's a network of regions in the brain which acts as a kind of bouncer or gatekeeper, and it processes everything at a very low level and says, this is important, you need to pay attention to this. So for example, spider, a snake, uh, sex, faces, food, uh, movement or surprise, uh, but also personalization. So imagine you're at a very noisy cocktail party, it's very crowded, lots of people talking, music playing. Uh, imagine your name's Bob and you're talking to someone and then you hear from across the room someone go, I really don't care for Bob. Uh, you will pay attention to that conversation immediately, even though you weren't listening to that person. So your brain is at a very low level processing all of that noise and then the bouncer says oh, this is what you need to focus your limited attention on. Uh, and so that's why personalization works, it's why Coca-Cola increased their sales by 5% when they put people's names on their bottles and cans. An online example uh, here, people were browsing um, a website and there were ads, and the ad was for aging cream. And for half of the participants, the uh, picture was just a stock model, Um, but for the other half, it was their picture pulled from their Facebook profile and aged with software. Uh, Can't do that anymore. Um, And sorry. They they found with eye tracking that they spent about twice as long looking at the personalized picture than the other one. If you see uh Sorry, are you allowed to ask questions? Sure. Through?
0: Sorry, I just want to know, because I understand why it would like 12
1: times. But then how do you follow
0: that through? Because if I saw a picture of myself, obviously I'm going to wonder why the hell is that on yeah. Adver? <laughs> but then how do you monitor that, though? Incentive. actually, yes, now I want to buy from it
1: rather than being very resentful that some arseholes may be even older than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I'm looking for these days. Mm. You. Um, well, first of all, is that, uh, so I don't know, this was a lab experiment, so I don't know if they looked at clicks, and even if, you know, it's such a small sample, would it be meaningful anyway? Um, I would say, number one, uh, eye-tracking research shows that we like what we see, so, when we're, so our, our influence our purchase decisions are influenced by just something being available, uh, so it catching our eye, it being at the front of our mind uh, really can be that simple. So even though you might not click through, but the brand might stick in your head and then next time you're out in boots and you're not really thinking and you're in a hurry, you'll just grab the one that you recognise, it would be that one. Um, yeah, and also the second thing is uh, for brands, often they need to decide whether it's more important to be liked or bought, because those two things don't necessarily go together. So uh, an example is the Go Compare advert. You know the opera singer? Everyone hates it, but it was super effective. Um, Banner ads with noise, really irritating, but again, super effective. Uh, The second reason is personalization. Uh, Sorry, persuasion. So we like things and are better influenced by things that are personalized because we like things that are familiar to us and also similar to us. Mm. So there's a huge amount of information in the world, but again, remember that we're cognitive misers with very limited uh, ability to pay attention to all of it. We can only pay attention to a tiny slice of it. As an example, uh, there's something called Dunbar's number, the idea that we can only have about 150 friends because our brain just can't handle... More information than that. And yet, most of us probably have more friends than that online, right? So, with all that information, how do we cope uh, being cognitive misers? <laughs> um, okay, so how do we cope? Well, imagine you're in a foreign city you've never been to before and you're looking for a restaurant. Uh, you're there for one night and you can only find these two restaurants. Uh, who would rather choose the one on the left? Why? It's popular. Yeah, it's popular. So, if it's busy, it must be good. And you know that straight away. You don't have to look at the menu. You don't have to ask people, look up reviews online, try a taste of the menu. You just know immediately. Mm. We're estimated to make 200 food-related decisions a day alone. So if we thought through every decision rationally and carefully, we probably wouldn't even leave the house in the morning. Um, And so we rely on heuristics or sort of non-conscious rules of thumb or shortcuts to make decisions in a complicated world. and one of those is that we're more easily persuaded by people we like, and we like things that are similar to us. So in this study, it's from the 70s, as you'll be able to tell. Uh, people were asked for money for the phone box, um, and the person asking for money was either dressed in a suit or as a hippie. Uh, and they found that a suit, put someone asking, someone in a suit asking for money from someone in a suit uh, was more effective, and vice versa. So hippies give to hippies, and suits give to suits. It's like when you're a teenager, and let's say you're a goth and you see someone who's also a goth, you kind of immediately become
0: friends.
1: (laughs) And then the final reason is because of resonance. So essentially, if something is customized to our personality, it kind of vibes with us on a neurological level. Um, So there are five traits, broadly speaking, which I'll get to. I'll give you an example of extroversion. It's associated with the part of the brain that processes reward. So extroverts are more reward sensitive, and so that means they're happier, they're more tolerant of risk, they take more risks, they're more excitement seeking, they're more outgoing, and they like socialising, all because of this uh, reward sensitivity. Um, and so, if you know, uh, and so you can know if somebody's extroverted by looking at certain immediate behaviours or their digital footprint. So their clothes—if uh, they wear faded shoes, then they're more likely to be an extrovert. And there's research backing all these points up, by the way probably because they're more active. If they smile more, they're more likely to be an extrovert because they're happier, more optimistic. If they listen to pop music, you look at their Spotify, you can tell they're an extrovert because extroverts listen to rhythmic, energetic music like dance and pop. So you can tell someone's personality from their digital footprint, and then you can use that to predict and influence long-term behaviors. So if you can tell they're extroverted, then you'll want to advertise a sales job because extroverts are good at sales. Um, So if you can pick apart someone's digital footprint and know their personality, then you can talk to them in the right way. Uh, One of the things you can do is aesthetic preferences. So this is uh, from a study I did for a company that sells art online, finding that if someone is open to experience, that is creative, liberal, adventurous, they prefer aesthetics which are kind of reflective and with muted colors and blue and things like that. If they're conscientious, they like their art to do what it says on the tin, uh, be representative, and ordered and structured and simple. They like portraits and landscapes. If they're extroverted, they like it to be uh, vibrant and diverse. If they're disagreeable, they like it to be kind of edgy and intense, a bit dark. And if they're neurotic, uh, they just like moody stuff. Uh, this work I did uh, on emojis is a very similar thing. For example, extroverts like the glasses clinking and the party popper, disagreeable people like the shark and the devil, uh, and so on. So you can see how you can uh, talk to different groups of customers uh, in emails, advertising, even maybe even on the website, based on their personality. Mm. And on that point, language as well. Uh, just give you the example of neuroticism here, neurotic people are more unstable in their speech, so they ask more questions and they use more exclamation marks. Uh, They're more sensitive, so they use the present tense more. Uh, They're more negative, they say no more often, they talk about themselves more and other people less. And so you can see, if you know someone's personality, you can kind of tap into the way that they like to talk and the way in which they like to be talked to. And you can also nudge them along a conversion funnel in different ways. So neurotic people are reactive and react to the world, and so they look for information to understand how to act. Uh, And so this study found that if something already has a high rating uh, on the five-star scale, it will get a higher rating, because people tend to follow the crowd. Um, But they found that's especially true of neurotic people. Um, uh, Different to that agreeable people are more influenced by social proof so you should tell them everyone else is doing something uh conscientious people by reciprocity so you should tell them oh i did this for you in the past can you do me a favor uh, so there's ways that you can personalize these these nudges and you can then use finally use this information to uh, as i said take human intuition and scale it make it big for brands uh, so for example mm, based on personality what type of person do you think lives in this bedroom Extroverted, yeah. Mm. Conscientious, I'm not, no. <laughs> um, creative, maybe, open. And in this bedroom? Neurotic. Um, Neurotic. Introverted. Uh, introverted, yeah. Um, organized? Yeah. If I was to tell you that one of these is my bedroom, <laughs> uh, which, which would you say it is? One on the left. Who would say this one? one on the left. Who would say this one? Uh, well, it's neither, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. Um, and this comes to something in psychology called thin slices. So if I give you a very thin slice of cake, you can tell me exactly, more or less, what the rest of the cake looks like. Uh, so if you get, see a very small piece of someone's behavior, you can predict very accurately how they behave in other situations and what the rest of their behavior is. So an example I love is uh, some newlyweds were videotaped for 15 minutes. And a counsellor took the videotapes and coded them for certain behaviours. I'll tell you which ones. And he followed up with them three to six years later and he could predict whether they get divorced or not to an 83% accuracy. Mm. And these behaviours, something to look out for, criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling and the biggest predictor is contempt, so looking down on, on someone. Uh, so there are, there are a whole bunch of behaviours you can look for to get that thin slice and to understand what someone's personality is. I'll give you just a couple of cool examples. Mm, one is liking bitter food. So if somebody likes dark chocolate and gin and bitter food like that, they're more likely to be disagreeable. Um, so sweet people actually like sweet food. And uh, other study, another study found that if you give people sweet foods, they become nicer. So there's actually a link between the sweetness taste and sweetness behavior. Uh, dog people are more conscientious and extroverted. Cat people are more neurotic and creative. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, dog people are more likely to be conservative, and cat people are more likely to be liberal. Um, the Time, time Inc. actually have a test. Uh, if you Google dog cat people politics, It'll ask you 10 questions, I think, like, are you a dog person, a cat person, what browsers do you use, and stuff like that. And it will predict your political leanings based on these questions. Uh, you can also predict some kind of naughty bedroom stuff if you know someone's personality. So agreeable people are more likely to accept a pornographic book from a stranger. I guess they agree to everything. Um, <laughs> and they're more likely to say yes to an orgy as well. So, if somebody doesn't like dark chocolate, you know what that
0: means. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Conscientious people less likely to say yes to an orgy. I think they they just need the structure. (laughs) Um, Neurotic people were more likely to accept a pornographic book. Um, They just watch more porn in general, and they watch more escapist content and stuff because they just need the kind of... Uh, stress relief. Um, Conscientious people also have more sex and there's a company that analyzed bank statements and they found that they also buy more flowers so I guess conscientious people are just better partners. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then you can also, so in terms of a digital footprint there are certain digital behaviors you can predict personality from Uh, like you used to be able to use Facebook likes. Um, So if somebody likes on Facebook, anime, uh, and this is a Western sample, uh, what do you think that says about their personality? <coughs> <coughs> uh, s- someone said introvert. Yes, yeah, so they're more introverted. Uh, of course, these are averages across huge groups of people, and you, you shouldn't make um, stereotypes. And then if someone likes the Adams Family, yeah, more neurotic. <laughs> um, and there's all sorts of things you can uh, pull. I mean, someone's Spotify playlist will tell you a huge amount, the websites they visit, the things they like and say and do on Facebook. Um, I know uh, mobile phone, t- like cellular companies, telecoms companies can apparently predict if someone's having an affair or not based on uh, that kind of that data. Like, are they calling someone at a particular time of day and going to a secret location and things? Um, and just to make the point, finally, that we're moving beyond. So even this is a little outdated, and we're moving on to kind of biometrics and things like that. So Alexa being able to tell your mood from uh, your voice. Uh, the latest Apple iPhones can measure your emotions through your facial expressions. So if you've ever used an emojis, uh, that's Apple measuring your emotions through your face. Um, and so we're, uh, we're probably moving beyond personalizing to traits, personality traits, to states, so mood um, and things like that throughout the day, and also the complex interaction between both. Um, So yeah, just finally to say at Data Practitioners, uh, this is what we're doing. We're building a platform to personalize messaging based on these kind of digital footprints and on personality. Uh, If you have any questions or want to talk to us about it, then please uh, talk to uh, Jake or myself.